Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. Today we are excited to have Patrick Poe with us. Patrick yeah. is a filmmaker here in Kansas City. And I have to say you're my first filmmaker in Kansas City. I'm honored. To interview, in fact, my first filmmaker of, of anything. So I'm glad to be here. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having yeah. me. And Matt Cox, uh, my videographer, said, hey, you should get this guy because, well, I, I he's followed you and your career some, but also uh, we saw where you, a podcast that you do was yes. uh, nominated by Pitch Magazine as the, uh, what was it, the best podcast of Kansas City, It right? was up to be one of the best podcasts in Kansas City. I unfortunately didn't win. We just learned last week we were not the winners, but it's happy so to be nominated. nominated. Happy yeah, to be nominated. yeah. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And the podcast is really good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's First Timers Movie Club. Yes. And we're going to get to that here in a minute, but uh, but uh, because I've listened to some of it too, and I, I've really enjoyed it. Thank so, you. Um, but first, let's just kind of get you introduced to my listening audience. Yeah. Uh, tell us about like where you grew up and where you're where you're from. I am I, I, a KC native. Yeah. I grew up in kind of the Mission, Shawnee, Kansas area uh -huh. of Kansas City, but like I consider myself a KC native. Anywhere in that like giant greater area is KC to me. But yeah, that's so that's where I grew up. I've been here my whole life pretty much. And where did you go to high school? I went to Bishop Meage High School. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Did Catholic school all growing up, started yeah. in uh Catholic grade school, St. Pius X in Mission, Kansas, which is mm -hmm. no longer a school. Uh, it, it closed, unfortunately. Actually, I was the last graduating class and we had a class of, I think, six eighth graders. So a very small Catholic school and mm -hmm. then Bishop Mage High School. Yeah. And uh, your family, you have brothers, sisters, are they? I have one older sister. Okay. And she's still here in KC. Okay. She's a stay-at-home mom. They've got two kids and a third on the way. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. And what'd you do post high school? Post high school, mm -hmm. uh, I had quite the journey. <laughs> uh, I call myself a college dropout, even though that's not necessarily accurate. Uh, it feels accurate. <laughs> so I really, I knew in high school that I really wanted to do something related to writing, acting, theater. Those were kind of my interests at the time. Yeah, I mean, how did that start at a young age, that interest? Oh, yeah, I mean, I was a theater kid from birth, pretty much. Did your parents put you in theater or how, yeah, how did that? My sister did dance early on, so I, I did tap, jazz, ballet, all that from the age of like five to 18, pretty much. Whoa. So I did have a big dance background, had a huge theater background. Were your parents into that? Uh, my dad and my, yeah, my, my parents are both, they love going to the theater. And my dad acted in some theater even when I was young. There's a- Like local stuff here? Yeah, Like yeah. what? Uh, my dad worked with both the Wyandotte Barn players and the like Kansas Barn Players Theater groups. Yeah. And there's a story of me being probably like a four-year-old kid, because we grew up going to the theater all the time too, and nearly walking into the prop of a boat. So mm. the actual, like the the fins and all the, the prop of a boat. Mm -hmm. And I nearly walked straight into it because I was a clumsy kid. And my dad looks at me and goes, son, st stop, you nearly hit the prop there. And I look at him and go, dad, that's not a prop. 
that's the real thing. Because <laughs> I knew the difference between like fake theater stuff and that's a real boat. But then they'd explain to me that's also called a prop. <laughs> At the age of what? Probably four or five. Four or five. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So I, I grew up as a theater kid. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. So you were immersed in it. Yeah. I definitely even wanted to do film as a high schooler, hmm. but wasn't. I didn't have a lot of friends. So like, that's how all my friends that did film in high school are like, yeah, I would get my friends and we'd come out and do film. And I was like, oh, I just kind of sat around with my camera and like my friends were all skateboarders. So I would film skate videos all the time. Interesting. I would just film people doing different tricks. And I thought at the time that I was going to edit it together and make a cool skate video and we'd be the next Tony Hawk, Bam Margera. That was, there you go. That was the dream. What year did you graduate from high school? I graduated in 2010. 2010. So I'm, I'm just trying to think like your tech, the technology you were working with in high school with your cameras and stuff like that. Was early this? digital. Okay. So I, I grew up on early digital. In high school, we worked on some DV tape cameras. So that's like the high definition tapes that they had, the mm -hmm. mini tapes. But that's that was the start of my filming. Mm -hmm. And then out of high school, the goal was to do some sort of theater or writing. I went to the only college in Kansas at the time that had a creative writing degree, which was uh, Pittsburgh State in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Oh, wow. So, the gorillas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my mom was a gorilla. So oh, she wow. graduated from there. So I was like, oh, I'll do that thing. And then. Chicken Annie's. And yeah. Chicken ch Mary's. There's a whole few. I they're, know they're both delicious. <laughs> they're both great. <laughs> but, For those who are listening, these are fried chicken places that are f famous in that part of the state. Right? Rival fried chicken places. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mary and Annie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fun. But going there as an English major, I was somewhat discouraged by the faculty at the time of pursuing creative writing because they didn't think it was a job and they thought I should get a degree that led to a job. So I changed my major to be a dual major in communications and English for secondary school education to be a high school theater and English teacher. And I thought that sounded like a good job. Okay. But after a time of being there, I realized that that wasn't the job I wanted. And I'm theoretically going to school planning what my job for my life is gonna be. So I dropped out of Pitt State. I ended up going to Johnson County Community College and I have Associate of Arts in theater and photography. Okay. So that's that's the kind of college story, but mm -hmm. I, I do, when people ask, I say I'm a college dropout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well I knew, I, I'd heard from listening to your uh, podcasts and different things that you had studied photography. Yeah. And then just listening to your podcast, it's it certainly sound like you'd studied film a lot, whether you did it officially or, uh, or just on your own, you know, you've, yeah. you've become a, a film critic, film expertise. Quite a connoisseur of, of mm -hmm. film. There's a famous Quentin Tarantino quote saying, I didn't go to film school. I went to films. So, cause he didn't go to film school himself. He just watches movies obsessively and that's how he learned to talk and think in cinematic terms. And I've got quite, I've worked in two different video stores. I've got quite the movie collection. And from that, I, that's kind of how I learned yeah. most of filmmaking besides being on set with people smarter than me. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen one of your sets with, with like, in, I've got books and you've got videos. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. My movie collection is taken over my home. Yeah. But. <laughs> My books can do that. Yeah. But I did the to get a little bit of space back because a normal bookshelf is a little deep for a DVD. Mm -hmm. I have custom built DVD shelves I built myself. Wow. So, so all those shelves you see were built by me so they would fit a DVD perfectly and be a height so that they would fit DVDs as easily yeah, as so possible. Then what, do you, what do you do with DVDs and Blu-rays and then now just streaming? And it's like, it's like, I don't. Like, I don't even have a functional DVD player right now. I, it's crazy to me whenever I hear people say that because I'm such a physical media person. Because, uh -huh. like, I do love having that item. And people kind of discuss those items and those things as, like, 
somewhat uh, totem of a th showing that you love a thing, even mm -hmm. though there's no need to have that physical item. And like, there's no need to have pins on my jacket that tell you all the things I yeah. love. But like those items are things that are precious to me because that idea or that story is so precious to yeah. me. It's interesting because, you know, I wonder if that's a part of like the comeback of vinyl. Yeah, I think so. You know, because it's like tangible, physical. And I like with books, you know, you can read all your books on digital. Yeah. But what I've found that when I and I do that, like when I travel, I'll put books, you know, on whatever. But but I found that when I read a book digitally, I, I don't have the. I don't have a sense of where the depth of it, where it's at in the depth of the book, yeah. where it's at on the page. And I, I actually have this weird memory where if I read something that I like, like I can remember, I can almost go to it. And I, I mean, this is from reading over 40 years of stuff. Yeah, you've got like quite I, the collection of I books. I can pull a book and know it's about a third of the way through the book and on the right side at the bottom. Yeah, and that gives and, you that physical memory uh -huh, of that book. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I still tend to, like, if it's a book I really want to dig into, I buy it. Yeah, you know, and, I'm similar. Highlight it and all that. Even if, like, I get a book from the library and I read through it, if I love that book, I'll want to go buy a book mm -hmm. of the same one. Even though I'm probably not going to read that physical copy I own, but that way I never forget that experience I had. Because I think it's kind of a reminder of an experience. And I think that's similar with vinyl. It's an I experience think, listening yeah. to it. And then movies. And then movies, it's the same. same. Yeah, because yeah, I go see a lot of films in theaters still. Because mm -hmm. I love the experience of a theater. That's mm -hmm. that's everything for me. Yeah. Do you have it's, a favorite theater spot here in town? I mean, I always have to push the Screenland Armor. There you go. Because <laughs> they're local. And, yeah. But... I don't I, I'll admit I don't always go because I'm cheap. Sometimes I'll go to a cheaper theater, but I love the Screenland Armor mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'll push them forever and tote their amazingness. Yeah. And I love Adam Roberts. And but like that experience is I great. I need to do an interview with you with do. Yeah, you need yeah. to talk to Adam. Yeah, He's yeah. great. The experience of going to the theater is great. But then if I love that movie, I still want to have a thing that reminds me of how much I love that movie. Also, as a filmmaker, I love special features. So that's the only way you can get those features is by that Blu-ray. It's got all the yeah. behind the scenes interviews. Yeah. It's got the deleted scenes. It's got the commentaries. And yeah, and I do that on movies I love. Like exactly. I'll, I, I'll go through all of that bonus content. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> I'll do it for movies I don't even particularly love, but I'm just intrigued about how they made it. Like there was one that just came out. I hate to rag on a movie because that's not what I do. but. Suicide Squad, like the new one by James Gunn. So I haven't watched it yet. It just but, came out on Blu-ray. But Blu I do like, I, like, I like that Suicide Squad Yeah, and the series. Blu-ray yeah. Blu just came out. It's got all these special features. And I'm like, well, that wasn't the my favorite movie of 2021 or whatever. But I kind of want to see like their gag reel because I'm sure that's a bunch of fun. I want to see what they did delete. I want to know what James Gunn process was making the film. So I'll probably end up buying that Blu-ray. You know, I love <laughs> Grandson. I the, don't. They're, they're, the, he did some of the music for the new Suicide Squad. Really? You know that song "Rain." Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, so I think See? two of the main cuts from that movie are from Grandson. And, okay. And he's a. Uh, anyway, he's. I love his stuff. So, but yeah, it's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Because I like Suicide Squad and the, the when they combined it with that musical, the, the music track on it. I it's really, always cool really seeing artists that you love collaborate yeah, in different ways. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, so tell, so your wife is a partner with you, yes. obviously, in pretty much it seems like everything you do. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Is what it appeared to me because we don't know each other, but I've I've been, you know, you stalked me on the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. And so uh, so Lolo. 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 Yep. Lolo Loren. Lolo Loren is your wife. Yeah. And tell us about how you guys met and, you know, how you've become partners in crime no yeah <laughs> no yeah so she literally in crime i just watched mr lee last night you know and i'm like <laughs> it'll happen still <laughs> anyway yeah, yeah no so she started making films herself pretty much literally herself so they were written directed and starring her because she also had no friends no <laughs> um, is she a kansas city gal she grew up all over because her mother is a writer and a spiritual teacher and she's kind of nomadic 
and her parents separated when she was young and her dad came to Kansas City when she was probably, uh, I think 11. This Hmm. is her story, so I'm not certain, but she will claim generally Kansas City, Sandpoint, Idaho, and Florida as kind of the three places she grew up. Interesting. But so she, she knew some Kansas City people and that's how obviously we ended up getting together and then I'm what's kept her in Kansas City. <laughs> so how, so you met through common friends? Yeah. And she wasn't living in Kansas City when you met her? So we <laughs> first got connected actually when we were teenagers. Okay. And a girl I went to high school with was friends with Lolo through a local Shakespeare camp. Huh. So that's how they knew each other. And Lolo was already making films and doing all this really cool stuff on YouTube. And my friend introduced me to Lolo and her YouTube channel. And so I first knew of Lolo as this girl on the internet. And I watched all of her YouTube stuff. I watched all of her content. I was like, this girl's hilarious. She's so talented. She's amazing. And then we emailed back and forth a bit for a while of like, Lola was like, I'm gonna make this thing in Kansas City. Are you interested in like acting it or helping out? And I was like, oh yeah, I would love to do that. And then that never happened. And we kind of met once in high school. And I was like, oh, you're cool. She's like, you're cool. Uh, and then we never talked again. And then after my first year of college, we re-met pretty much on a 48 hour film competition. So the goal is to you get a prompt, you get like a line of dialogue and you get maybe a prop in a genre you have to make a film in. And you've got 48 hours to write, produce, film, edit, and submit the film. Wow. And they were like, we need some help. And that same mutual friend that introduced me and Lolo back in high school reached out to me and was like, are you in Kansas City right now? Would you be interested in helping? And I was like, I'd love to help. And in that 48 hours, me and Lolo were the only two people that stayed up and worked on it from hour one to hour 48. Wow. Doing all the writing, the acting, the filming, the editing. Interesting. And after that, we kind of just became really good friends and we were like, we love working together. So when she was like, I'm gonna start my first feature film, I was like, how can I help? What can I do? So I was there for the first script meeting. We kind of discussed what would be like a script that was possible. Her and Zachary Weaver wrote it together. She directed it, I assistant directed. I helped with some camera stuff. We ended up editing it together and that was the formation of IX Productions, IX Film Productions. Awesome. And that film was intermission. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. That's wild. So so IX I, I Production yeah. is your film company, Yeah, we basically. were IX Film Productions, yeah. And you, it looked like you started in 2012. Is that That's about kind right? of what we think. Okay. It's uh, because that story is so kind of ambiguous of like, well, was it started at the 48? Probably not. We didn't call ourselves IX yet. Was it started when we first talked about intermission? Uh, maybe, I don't know, but it definitely existed by 2012. <laughs> yeah, okay. We were, we were a thing and we called ourselves that by 2012. Yeah, so um, so and your this is you can go to YouTube for those who are listening and look up uh, yeah. I X like Roman numeral Roman yeah. numeral I X production and you've got I if I remember right like two hundred and some videos on there we have a lot yeah so if you go to youtube.com slash IXFP that'll take you directly to our page we've got a ton of podcast episodes of both First Timers Movie Club and our older podcast, Indies on Indie. We've got at least probably 20 short films and sketches. We did a comedy special series of Kansas City comics called Laugh KC, which is just these beautifully produced stand-up comedy specials of all sorts of different comedians from Kansas City, some who've moved away and done other things since then. but. We've got that. We have trailers for our feature films. We've all sorts of. There's a lot on there. Yeah, I so I didn't get to the comedy stuff, which yeah. I I need to do that. Um, but um, I did watch. So tell me the difference between a a sketch and a film short. The 
The terms are somewhat ambiguous. Mm -hmm. So the way I like to define them is a sketch takes place in one room, one location, one scene. And ah. a short film is a full story arc told through multiple scenes probably in a short amount of time. Generally, a short's under 40 minutes. I like to keep mine under 15. But um, a festival, say, about under 40 to under 60 is a short. Above that is considered a feature. Once again, I like to call a feature an hour 20 to two and a half or whatever, because mm -hmm. that's more what people expect in both of those genres. But there's some wiggle room, obviously. Okay. But yeah, so I think it's, it's about how produced it is, mm -hmm. is sketch to short film okay interesting and so then when you make a sketch or a short and by the way comedy is your target we only audience. make comedies yeah yes and i'm curious was was lolo uh, was that her big passion as well yeah back comedy? when she had her first youtube channel it was pretty much all comedy it was all comedic and our first two feature films are definitely comedic, but a little less comedic, I would say. And then after making Mr. Lee, we kind of decided that we wanted everything we made to be more positive and uplifting, kind of because, and we love that people love Mr. Lee and we love Mr. Lee, but if you watch it to the end, it, it kind of makes you feel not great, but we like leaving the theater feeling good and we like other people feeling good so after Mr. Lee, we kind of decided that we want it to be uplifting in some way. Okay. So that's what we're currently, that's our current modus operandi, but we'll see if that. So before we get to the feature films, yeah. because evidently you've done six of them. Yeah. And I've only, I saw Zoink and Mr. Lee. Yeah. Those are the two I watched. But before we get to that, when you make a sketch or a film short, yeah. which you've done a lot. a lot of these do you are you always submitting those to um a film festival somewhere how 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 is i'm curious because i don't know your yeah. world very well at all maybe you give us a little 101 on on how you put your material out there how do you get it to an audience that you want to hear see it so, obviously you've got your youtube channel and you've got followers that pick you up but there's I'm guessing that there's a, a, some type of distribution system out there for what you're doing. So we started with just feature films and we realized the downsides of feature films are they take a very long time to make and a lot of resources and kind of between starting it and finishing it and then starting the next one, there's just, there's so much time in between there. and festivals, film festivals like you mentioned, have more time to program short films. So there's a higher chance of a short film getting into a film festival. So after a couple of features and being like, man, I wish we'd put more stuff out for people to enjoy more year round. And I wish I had something that was more festival oriented. Mm -hmm. We decided to start making short films and We've done some that are intended for festivals. We've done some that were just like, oh, this is a fun little joke we're gonna put out on YouTube. And it really depends on what the film is, how we decide to put it out there. Mm -hmm. There isn't much of a distribution per se for a short film besides things like YouTube or people use Vimeo sometimes, but that's more like filmmakers watch it than regular people watch the, there. We've got a pretty good following on Facebook where we like post links so that you can go over to our YouTube. But it's kind of it is kind of a YouTube-based thing and then some of them go to festivals and we find friends and mm -hmm. audience members there. But it it depends on short film to short film. In 2019, we challenged ourselves to make a short film every month. So we made a dozen shorts in 2019 and we were going to keep it going. Uh, through 2020 until everything shut down and it made it much more difficult to make a film. Yeah. So that yep. hasn't happened. We'll see. Maybe we'll get back there soon. Interesting. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah. So I'm curious, like how, how many film festivals are in America? Like, Oh I'm my gosh. Hundreds, thousands. Yeah. Every little city everywhere. Every. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's like, 
just off the top, of my, I'm guessing there's probably six or seven just in the Kansas, Missouri drivable area. And then that scales up more and more the bigger the cities are. But yeah, I would I would yeah, say thousands to a million. They're, just everywhere. Yeah. And then and then so give us a little history on Kansas City's film festival. Or, or I know there might be more than one, but um, yeah. So I've ever now, you know, in the media, I every now and then that gets attention. Yeah. I've tried I've tried to jump in and follow it a little bit here and there, but not not so haven't done that a lot. So just Kansas a, City has two festivals really that are in the the main city area that are quite large, which is the KC International Film Festival, which used to be based at the Cinemark on the Plaza. And there's the Kansas International Film Festival. And then there's a bunch of other smaller ones like the uh, in Leavenworth, Kansas does First City Film Festival, which is a wonderful festival. I highly recommend if you're in Leavenworth or if you want to drive to it, it's totally worth it. They program great shorts. They do a great job producing that festival. Um, there's the Kansas City Underground Film Festival that just started a couple of years ago and it's really getting its legs as it keeps going. Uh, Emporia has a film festival now called No Coast Film Festival. Wichita has Tallgrass, which is been voted on Movie Maker Magazine the top 50 film festivals in the country multiple times. Uh, Mulvane, Kansas, which is right outside of Wichita, has a really small festival called Doc Sunback that's amazing. So there's there's yeah there's tons of them, and they all have their different niches and their different yeah. things that are. But I I mean I love I love film festivals. Yeah, it's yeah I've ne I've actually never intentionally gone to a film festival, <laughs> um, but you know you you become aware of like. You know, like I know Robert Redford and, you know, there's these huge Sundance. Ones. Yeah, Sundance. Yeah. I've watched a ton of films from like Sundance. I was in Park Cities one time. Oh, really? By accident when a film festival there was going on. Okay. And that was kind of fascinating because there were there were movie stars walking around and, <laughs> you know, and like we're going, oh, wow, this is cool. You know, and ended up, I actually ended up attending um it's because I was like, oh, let's go to, and I've attended a film short there. I can't even remember okay. the name of it or the title or anything, yeah. but uh, actually was standing in a foyer with, with movie stars. You know, we were all, it was just, it was just kind of random, you know? Yeah, it's I one was, of those things where you realize how quickly the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, that's, that's, an, that's a fun world for. Yeah, and I definitely encourage anybody KC Film Fest will be happening again in April. So okay. I definitely recommend if people are And wanting. is it located, where, is there a central location for? Because I, I know a lot of times these film festivals will be showing films in, like one film fest will be showing films in 10 different locations or something like that, morning, really noon, and night. Depends on the festival and depends on things. Like I said, KC Film Fest used to be because the Cinemark on the Plaza had like the two levels, you know? Mm -hmm. It used to be like the top floor of the Cinemark on the Plaza. That location doesn't exist anymore. There isn't a Cinemark there anymore. In 2020, they were gonna be in an AMC and then that festival ended up getting canceled. I don't, 2021, they did it all online. Mm -hmm. I don't know where 2022 is gonna be yet, but uh, I will be submitting and hopefully I'll be screening there. Yeah. <laughs> And some of your sketches and shorts and even some of your features have have got have garnered some attention yeah. at some of these film festivals. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Brag yeah. about yourself a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. please. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Mr. Lee showed it was our first big festival screening and it was our first big kind of feature getting out there was Mr. Lee, which was the second feature we ever made. This came out 2018. Is I, that right? Roughly, sure. I'll agree. I, I'm just I'm bad at years. <laughs> I just watched it last night, so okay. it's fresh on my mind. But yeah, and it it took a while to come out. We made it probably like 2013, 2014. I'd oh, okay, say. okay. And then four years after we'd done it, so it would be yeah, 2018. We'd kind of given up on it, and we thought like, oh, I guess that one's not going to get anywhere. And then it ended up getting invited to screen at the KC. Film Fest local showcase where it won Audience Choice Award. Mm. And then it ended up going to Doc Sundback Film Festival where it won Audience Choice Award. And then it ended up getting on Amazon Prime. And we were like, oh my God. And people were all like 
we got really good responses and people kept reaching out to us being like, oh my God, I love Mr. Lee. And I was like, oh, uh, I thought that movie was dead. Like I thought it was gone. I thought nobody mm. cared. And then from that, we were able to screen Zoink at a couple film festivals. We've had a short film called Silent But Deadly. I saw has, it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I watched that one. That one went to a handful of festivals and was runner up for Audience Choice. We just got Audience Choice Award at Doc Sun back for a sketch called Interview Hype Man, which I don't know if you watched that I one or not. I didn't see that one. Oh man, I, that's Interview one that- Interview Hype Man? Uh, yeah, Interview Hype, Hype Man. Hype Man, okay. Um, so it's a, I don't know if you listen to a lot of rap music. I do some. Okay, for okay. Sure. Yeah. So there's in the rap like scene, there is a job called the hype man and like DJ Khaled does it a lot. And uh, Little Wayne used to do it in songs a lot where like you'd hear a song and then they're just be like, yeah. Oh, Little John, he does it all the time. Okay. Where like, it's just the, yeah, okay. In the background of a song. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I love that element. What if there was a hype man in your regular life. So <laughs> that's good. So we just did a sketch where it's a guy going to an interview and I play his hype man. So I just sit behind him and while he does the interview for the job, I'm just yelling how great he is the whole time. That's awesome. Yeah. Fun, fun. Yeah, so Mr. Lee, I just watched last night. So I just thought that was, you know, so you're, you've like just won some Oscars or your character <laughs> yeah. has just won some Oscars. And so you go in to do this like morning interview yeah. show and the gal wants to get behind because there's this like, there's this dark side to you that uh, nobody, unknown. yeah, that nobody really knows that uh, she's trying to dig out of you. And then all of a sudden the movie you, you 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 come clean and you yeah. you tell your you tell your dark story about how you wound up where you're at how I how, how I became and famous. basically you're a criminal <laughs> and you do tons of criminal things you know which got which ends up bringing you to this place of winning Oscars yeah and then and then the final thing was like like she's kind of stunned at the end of this whole story of how criminal you are. You know, yeah. This guy should be in jail, you know? And and she's like going, so was it worth it? <laughs> and you're like, um, no. no. <laughs> so, you know, it's like the metaphor for like, how many rotten things do people have to do to get to this place? You know, yeah, it's yeah. just kind of fascinating. I think it, it came definitely out of a place of being very young-ish. Uh, we were like 19, 20, 21 when we made that movie and really feeling like it was nearly impossible to garner the fame or the just like necessary eyes on to these projects that we were working on. And we're like, wouldn't it be funny if like you held up a, held hostage a bunch of producers to get your movie made or something like that, or like to get eyes on your movie. And we just kind of started throwing that around and it ended up becoming, yeah, that whole script and. Wow. So I, I think it's a feeling that artists can really relate to. I bet. <laughs> that, I can imagine. That desire. But then also <laughs> as we were doing it, we were like, oh man, if you actually did this, like you're kind of a bad person <laughs> you're kind of yeah, unlikable yeah. Um, no it's funny um are most of your writing collaborative yeah do you write how, tell us a little bit about your creative writing process so me and my wife write pretty much everything we've made together uh, our first feature intermission was written by her and another writer named zachary weaver and some of our short films or sketches were written out of a artist's writer's room we created at one time to just kind of bring comedic writers together, to pitch ideas, to throw ideas out there, to see like, to help each other get to be better writers. And then me and Lolo would pick scripts out of there and be like, hey, would you guys like it if we produce this film in a film format so that you can kind of once again, grow as a writer to see like what it's like to go from writing a script to seeing it acted out in front of you and filmed and then fully produced and what stays what goes, you know like mm -hmm. learning that process of writing and how it changes so like that cousin eric's is on our youtube that was written out of that writer's room cat calls was but me and lolo write most things together and our process kind of it comes out of just 
we love throwing ideas at each other and we'll have a new idea and be like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if this thing happened? Or like, you know, I've been thinking about like, this is kind of a story idea and then we'll flesh it out mm -hmm. in conversation. Do you have, do you have like a planned creative set or is it just random stuff that happens through the day and then it just moves into conversation? Like, do you, do you have a creative space um, that you work in? No. Yeah. Okay. I would, I mean, we've got our, like, we have our office, which is a room in our home where we make most of this. It's where our computers are Do you storyboard stuff? Do you, I'm we do. Just like, is there a physicality to your creative process or is it just words or is it ideas? And then they, uh, it's kind of ideas that turn into words and then slowly become more words and more words until they're final words. And then that all changes when you finally get it to filming. Um, but we, we don't operate much in storyboards because okay. we can, but we're very connected in our thoughts. So I can be like, oh yeah, it'll be a, it'll be kind of a close up on this object. And generally Lolo knows what I am seeing in my head. So we don't even storyboard it out. We're like, yeah, yeah it'll be a close up. It'll be this wide shot. It'll be this shot. And we'll kind of, we'll write out our shot list. So it's still words. And then we get on set. And sometimes we do get there and be like, well, in my head, it looks different. And she's like, well, in my head, it looks different than that. And I'm like, well, we need to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it it's is, interesting. it's mostly words. And a lot of times it'll be, we will think of an idea, we'll break it down maybe into beats. Like these are the, this is the first act beats. These are the points that have to happen. Mm -hmm. Don't know how we get to here, to here, to here, but these are the points we have to hit. This is second act, this is third act. And we have those beats. Okay. And then Lolo is incredible at just cranking out a script. She's so good at turning off that editor brain and she's mm -hmm. able to just be like, all right, let's just write it. Oh, that doesn't work, who cares? Just keep writing and she'll just write through it. And then I kind of come in and I'll edit it down. I'll give notes, we discuss notes. We'll cut it down there. I'll maybe go in and like, rewrite it and then she'll be like all of your rewrites are bad let me rewrite it I'm like great your rewrites are bad. and then we do that for many many phases of right. rewrites until we're both happy and then we get on set and we're still like no oh, that line doesn't sound good coming out of that actor let's rewrite that bit too and so things okay. change interesting on interesting. set even yeah i'm i'm going to take a little little rabbit trail here just for yeah. a second um but some of my listeners may be from uh, from Vineyard Church, which was the church I pastored for 28 years. Yeah. And there was a season when um, I had a guy in my church named Randy Tennyson who performed at the Improv all the time down in Westport. Remember when the, yeah. remember when the Improv, uh, where, I don't know if it's Westport or River Market. River Market, I think. Our, so, this, I'm talking like 15, 20 years ago. I think the Improv's down in Westport. Okay. Anyway, he he performed regularly uh, improv comedy, okay. and um, and we decided to start making funny pastor what you would call shorts, I guess. Okay, but super short, two, three, <laughs> four minute little like Pastor Fred doing stupid things. Okay, uh, or in the city or around, you know, it could have been pa Pastor Fred's day off, or you know, and just me doing stupid stuff. But he. So I worked with him. We'd come up with crazy, funny ideas just, just, just to put me outside the pastor box. Are these still viewable? Because yeah. I want to watch them. Yeah, so you can <laughs> see them, and they're super corny. Okay, but people loved them, and he would he storyboarded everything. So like we'd come up with a creative, funny idea, you know, and and then we would storyboard these things, and it it could be like, you know, like we were trying to recruit greeters one time to help greet people because our church was growing, and so we thought we came up with this one called the church without greeters and it's like this dark horror like comedy about walking in and we you shot know like the twilight yeah yeah we shot that's like awesome Twilight zone we shot we this randy tennyson he lives in florida now he moved away and so it it ended this really fun <laughs> creative world that i was in for a yeah. while because <laughs> then we never had anybody replace him you know but uh it was so funny i'll, I'll have to um make sure randy listens to this episode because uh but yeah i'll i'll have they're still floating around out there on youtube that's one of those fun things about youtube is that like when you make it it kind of just is there forever yeah like. yeah i think one of our most viewed one was fred and randy's day off but uh when i when i hired a new worship leader he had had a big uh creative background with phil keggy and some really famous musicians and then we we just did a bunch of comedy routines off of anything we could come up with. So you do know comedy filmmaking. Well, I, I love it. 
and I'm and I even you know tried to act in some of these things, yeah. which I was terrible, right? But <laughs> but it made it all the more fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so tell Zoink. I watched Zoink. Yeah, and it's on Prime right now. It is Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime, and. I, it was it was so funny because I always try to figure out deeper meanings and things, you know. So I'm thinking like, here's the younger brother who's an alien, and uh, and then you have the teacher who gives you too much homework. Yep, and, and he's he's pure evil. He is. And he's he the worst. And he turns into goob. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just thinking, this is an adolescent dream, you know, like to, to to be able to make a film about your little brother and your most hated teacher or something like that. It really was, and it was a, an absolute joy to make a children's comedy. Well, I yeah, I loved it. I love movies like. I love Goosebumps. I love Ghostbusters. I love Spy Kids. Like I love that like genre kind of of like this like not kid comedy, but like yeah, like these these kid comedies with like weird sci-fi. You know, like Super Eight. Yeah, I mean, that's I a haven't high. Seen it, but oh, yes, dude, you gotta see. I need to but, watch I Super mean, Eight. To me, like Super Eight was kind of like you know, I don't know, a Goonies meets. Uh, you know, high-end high Spielberg yeah. sci-fi. Yeah. But maybe with a little bit Stand By Me mixed in there too, you Which, know what I mean? I love Spielberg movies. And, so like it, yeah, that's kind of, that's a lot of the inspiration uh, of Zoink. That, and then like we had, we had the kids because <laughs> two, two of the main kids even are like- Stranger Things to a degree. Yes, you know what I mean? Like yeah. these kids just, ah, you know, like they're just experiencing life. And cause like every, Everyone relates to being a kid in different ways uh -huh. and all those feelings of being a child. And I think watching a, a child's story is vastly relatable. I don't know. Who did the music on Zoink? Zoink's composed by Alex Ellis. Yeah. Who which is, is he a local guy? He was a local musician and composer. He has since moved on and is working out in L.A., I think, for some okay. big universal music group or something like that okay. I, that could be wrong but who did the music on mr lee mr lee it is, had a pretty big music score on it if i remember right all of those are free to use in Competech tracks ah, okay which is what we did for a lot of our stuff in the early days mm. and still do for some of our short films depending on the scale and budget of what we want to put into it okay because Incompetech's a wonderful resource for filmmakers. He's got all of this royalty-free Creative Commons music that as long as you credit it in your credits correctly, you can use it for either free or donation to him. And it's it's great music. Like, I mean, the fact that you asked who composed it, technically nobody except for okay. Lolo is great at cutting music together and kind of figuring out how a track will fit within a scene, so. Yeah, yeah, I always like I'm, I'm always drawn to music. I have yeah. some of my favorite. And like, I love working with Alex Ellis. He uh -huh. composed Zoink. He did the composition for Silent the Deadly. Okay. And he's actually, he just finished up working on our newest feature, Almost Sorta Maybe, that'll hopefully be coming soon. So yeah. we've worked so with Alex a, a lot. we got a new feature film coming out, right? We do. Next year? Hopefully 2022. Next. It'll okay. it'll be- What's its title? Almost Sorta Maybe. Almost Sorta Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to get to two things here before okay. we, we we finish up here. But one, I'm kind of curious about your spiritual journey and your creative process. And do those two worlds mix together at all? I'm just kind of interested in. Yeah, this is our, you know, our, our spirituality adventures. I'm always looking for angles. And I think about spirituality as connection to self, to others and to um, something greater than us. It's loving and caring. And, so for me, you know, music and filming and all is such a creative process and the inspiration for that usually yeah. has some kind of spiritual core to it. Yeah, I mean, it's I definitely creative and collaborative Yeah, because you can't make a film without an army of people, it seems like. So the community that gets created. In, it's a family that, yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh -huh. um, I grew up Catholic, like I said. Mm -hmm. I am very ambiguous at this point of uh, spiritually, I guess. Um, but was I was that a think, positive or negative in you, your life, the Catholic thing? 
because like I was interviewing um, who was it, Matt? That was the uh, the Get Up. No, what band was that? Uh, God, that I was interviewing the guy that Nate Nate Shea played with. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're talking to Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids. Yeah, Matt Pryor from the oh, Get wow. Up Kids. He grew up Catholic, and like it was like a hundred percent negative for him. Like it turned him off to religion, kind of a thing. I don't think I had that experience. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of positives that I got from my experiences, but I acknowledge the negatives that other people have gotten mm-hmm. and the negative experiences other people have had, and. I even acknowledge the small things that it has given me that aren't positive. I'm able to kind of look at it in all of those ways. Mm -hmm. And I do think that as I grow up, I wonder how we can garner all of the positives that I did receive without keeping the negative. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I don't have that answer because I'm just a young, dumb artist, yeah. but I am I think about it often yeah. and wonder, and I am grateful for a lot of the things that I was given. Yeah. And then other times I'm like, uh, this Catholic guilt that is always joked about, sure. or like there's different things that are somehow bred into all of it that don't garner positive results. I wonder how we can- Yeah. Get you know, I'm on that journey even yeah. now after all these years, you know, to yeah. like how how can we take the best of these uh, yeah. religious traditions and our faith backgrounds and different things like that and and move into um, the the most positive version of that. Yeah, right? and I think about it a lot mm-hmm. as like my sister has kids and my friends are having kids and I'm like how can we raise this next generation in a way that keeps positive things mm-hmm. but we don't have to give them all this negative stuff mm-hmm. or all this mm-hmm. this baggage all this garbage mm-hmm. with it i don't and i don't even, know even answer. i've i've interviewed a lot of people who have gone through religious trauma you know like 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 a matt Pryor, but other people who ex- experienced harm from yeah. their religious background or tradition and some just excess of guilt you know? yeah. and then some um yeah i think you know i sometimes i wonder like catholics and southern baptists seem to me the most guilt-ridden people <laughs> in america and then is that just because there's more of them and, and are, are, <laughs> were all the traditions guilt producing that way and shame producing you know like yeah i've kind of gotten to where shame-based anything for me is like like let's don't go there let's yeah. let's have grace-based everything you know and 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 i you know those are things that i value i definitely agree i I definitely think in similar ways and like it's kind of why i think me and lolo have edged towards like we want positivity in Mm -hmm. our in our content and it is definitely something as a person that you're saying that you always look for the deeper meanings and things me and lolo always discuss like what is this piece of art saying Mm. Like even in the five came back, uh, the book I'm reading right now, one of the directors talks about how at a point in his life, right before World War II, he realized all film is propaganda. Yes. So every story you tell does have an angle in some way. And so I think as a creative, it's important to know that what you are saying with your film. And I do want it to be positive. I want it to be uplifting. I want you to take away something that is meaningful to you that doesn't harm you. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. So I think that's a lot of my goals in my film, and I think that's where my spirituality is at, is in teaching through creating, and then also being collaborative in what I create. That's wonderful, I like that. Very cool. So I had a lot of fun listening to your, because I want to dive into the podcast, and the the most recent, the Indies on Indie was really interesting. I, I jumped on a few of those. And then um, this first timers movie club. Yeah. So you you and Lolo have watched so many films. I've seen a lot of them. More than me. <laughs> and I've watched a lot and I'm way older than you. Right. But yeah. I still think you've probably watched more. <laughs> and um, and then at the same time, what you're doing is you're you're finding like almost like classic or iconic films. Yeah that one of the two of you haven't seen. Yes, and showing them that for the first time. Yeah, and so then either you or Lolo watch a film that you've never seen before, 
and then so you have a little bit of pre leading into it. You watch it and then you come out of it and you share your immediate reactions. Yes. And it's really fun. And Thank you. just for the audience, it's like going to film school to some <laughs> degree on on that particular movie that you're dealing yeah. with. So like I so I love Breakfast at Tiffany's. OK. I've owned that. I've probably watched it 20 times. I always encourage people to watch it, even young people. Yeah. You know, because it's to me, it's and I love films that have like dark, 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 but then a redemptive moment to it. Yeah. Those are some of my favorites. And so Breakfast at Tiffany, like like you watched that for the first time. I did. Lolo had only seen it once. Yeah. But she she had it, grown to love it more the older she got, even though she didn't review it until yes. this moment. And it has it, and you were like going sad, sad, sad <laughs> when you came out of that. And I was like, but that redemptive thread at the moment when the two sort of uh, broken people. Yeah. And, and so like this recovery theme for me, like broken it people heal broken that. people. Yeah. And then you have these two characters that are very broken, but they find each other in it. And it's that's the redemptive note. It's like, You're right. You know. Um, but then it's got the racism in it because it's a 1961. So I was born in 1961. That film came out okay. in 1961. And, you know, like I'd watched that so many times and never thought about the that character, the Asian yeah. Mickey Rooney character. Yeah. Uh, Mick, is that right? Mickey Rooney? Is yes. That, yeah. Yeah. The guy yeah, yeah. That, that plays the eight. And yeah. And the inherent. Uh, racism in that and all. And then I didn't realize that that had become like an iconic film to watch on how, like how <laughs> how racism works in filmmaking yeah. you know, I'm like going, dang you know I learned I learned more about more about this film just listening to that episode and it's one of my favorites than I had so now I want now I want to go back and pick more of yeah. my favorite films and listen to you guys talk about it because you really do a deep dive thank you on the film yeah i mean like from i said from the directors to the music to the actors to the themes to all of that i think the goal personally is to learn from these films that have such a following or have such like an iconic spot in film history and to learn like what is it that makes these films so great? And why do people, why do you go back to Breakfast at Tiffany's a hundred times and watch it and go, wow, that that gives me this feeling? Because there, it is technique. There's, there's a technique to filmmaking and when done right, you get something like Citizen Kane, you get Titanic, you get Breakfast at Tiffany's. And when it's done wrong, you might not be able to put your finger on it, but as an audience member, you go, yeah, I watched that. Or you might forget like, oh, I think I saw that movie. But like, you know you saw Breakfast at Tiffany's. You know if you've seen Citizen Kane. Like those are movies that stick with you. And it's because of the technique and it's because generally the technique, but also all these small things that everyone's doing to their best ability. Like we just talked about Jurassic Park on the, the podcast. And it's all these things that had never been done before, but people believed they could do it and they tried their hardest and they created stuff that blew audiences away because they were committed and they all loved it and they had a passion for their craft, you know? It's good stuff. I, yeah, my brain is just like, I, cause I, you know, movies, I love movies. Yeah. And I love, I love stories. So I, I love doing this podcast cause I love hearing people's stories. I love, you know, hearing your story. Yeah. And so to me, movie, good movie making is just good storytelling. Exactly. And, and I'm always, uh, there's always something about somebody's story that I, that I love and I benefit out of. And like, I'm not a film critic. I've never filmed any, you know, like, I'm, but like, you know, I've gone through, like, I'll find it, I'll have a director that I love. Yeah. And then I'll just watch everything that director's ever done. Or, Who is it for you? Can you can you name someone? I don't well, want to put you on the I mean, spot. But. I mean, and these aren't like, it's not the indie world that you're from, right? Yeah. But, you know, like the Coen brothers, yeah. Wes Anderson. Um, who's the who's the uh, former Monty Python guy that did 12 Monkeys? Terry Gillum. Terry, I, I, I love Terry, Terry Gillum. Terry Gillum's one of my guys. Oh, I, man. Uh, you know, so, and I'll just run through, you know, directors like that. And I'll tend to, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino, obviously, is you can't miss him but you know just <laughs> and then um but then like i like i went back with the uh 
at the Academy and all the best films that have ever yeah. been won. I went way back to the beginning and went through and watched all of those. Wow. You know, and and I would. That's a pretty deep dive. You know, you know so I've done stuff a lot of years. Like yeah, yeah. So I've done a lot of film watching myself, yeah. but not with the expertise that you and Lolo have. And so I I loved listening Thank to the, the episodes because it took it even deeper than I've ever gone. That's the goal of each episode is to yeah. go really just like dissect these movies that people love and dissect why we love them and what filmmaking techniques were used to make them so lovable, but also who was involved. Because sometimes you don't even think about those people in the background that created something that had never been seen before. Mm -hmm. Like the past two episodes, we talked a lot about the cinematographer Dean Cundy, who did he, the cinematographer for both Death Becomes Her and Jurassic Park, and a bunch of other films that have such beautiful visuals and such beautiful effects that you don't even think about them. I mean, you're like, oh, that's just a person who has a hole through them and death becomes her. Oh, that's just a dinosaur. But like, they feel real because he shot them in a way that makes them feel real. And he knows mm -hmm. how to use his camera so beautifully. And nobody talks about cinematographers. <laughs> yeah, and I that's that's a part of it that I love because there's so many elements that go into to great filmmaking, right? Yeah. And some of them get almost zero attention. And that's like why I love filmmaking is because it's so many beautiful art forms that all have to come together mm -hmm. because it's storytelling, which is the basis of, I think all human interaction is storytelling. So it, at the core of it, it's storytelling, which is beautiful. It's writing, it's, you've got a director who's once again a storyteller, but you also have actors. You've got the camera department, you have electricians, like, it takes all of this very crazy technical equipment to make it happen. It's editing, and back when it was film editing, it's even more magical to me. Like the actual film is, might as well be magic. It really is such a cool experience. And I've been working on a couple films recently that are shot on film. And while doing it, it just blows my mind that that's how movies were made for a hundred years. Yeah, And then it's, an editor and it's painters to paint like matte paintings like so much of superman with uh oh i just lost his name uh christopher reeve the christopher reeve superman so much of that movie has these beautiful matte paintings and star wars has all these beautiful matte paintings that you don't even notice mm -hmm. you just think oh that's the death star oh that's a hundred stormtroopers standing next to the thing where the emperor's coming in. Like, no, most of those stormtroopers are mm -hmm. painted. There's only a couple of rows of real people. And you never think about that. The Fortress of Solitude, it's all yeah. a painting. That's the, that's beautiful art at its best. Effects artists, those are artists. It's so many artists yeah. coming together to create so cool. something that is just taken, almost taken yeah. for granted. Like every episode of television is hundreds of people that works together to create that episode of TV and you're like, oh, it was fine. And you're like, watch, put it in the background. But no, that's that's beautiful. That's art, it's story. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, get, just for our audience, because um, we, we could go on forever. I, I could. I could I run really forever could. on this. But, <laughs> but like, what are like some movies that maybe you've seen out of your ones that you've done now on uh, the movie, First Timer Movie Club? What are, what are two or three movies like like you would want to say to this audience, like go out and if you've never seen this movie, watch this. And then what are a couple of your most favorite series that you think that the oh, audience man. should watch? Like, so just make a few recommendations for us. So. so one of the first episodes we did for First Timers Movie Club was Edward Scissorhands. And oh yeah. It's because it's it really is one of my favorite movies. I, really, I love that movie so much. And so I was so happy to finally show it to Lolo, who I've been trying to show it to for forever. <laughs> so it's kind of the, it's one way to get her to watch a movie you want her to see. That's kind of the beauty of the podcast is me and my wife are like, hey, it's been 10 years and you haven't seen this movie. That's right. my favorite. We're watching it now. That's and you funny. can't have your phone out. Like That's hilarious. But I love that film, a movie I hadn't seen before that I've kind of fallen in love with is Titanic. I really do. I think it's I think it's amazing and interesting. The, the, it's just the storytelling of it is who beautiful. Who directed Ed, Edward Scissorhands? Tim Burton. Burton, okay. And yeah. then who did uh, 
Titanic. Cam- it was James Cameron. James Cameron, yeah. 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 Which, like, he also does did Terminator 1 and 2, which is incredible and so different than Titanic. Yeah. But, like, Burton has a style that you're like, oh, if you like Burton, you're going to like a Burton movie pretty much. Yeah, and Tim Burton is so interesting. He's got And a, he likes Johnny Depp, too, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> they work together a lot. Uh-huh. He's got his crew of people, and yeah. they do a certain thing, but so does, like, a Wes Anderson. He's got his crew that you're like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, I'm going to see those people in this movie. Do you like Wes Anderson? I do. I'm not, like, as knowledgeable about Wes I'm Anderson as I should be, but I do, I love his style because yeah. it's so distinctly... Wes Anderson. So offbeat, dark humor. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And the cinematography yeah. of it is so precise. Mm. It's so thought out. It's so planned. Mm. And then like I also love I love Edgar Wright. He's another director I'm really into. Who what up? What would I know of him? Uh Baby Driver is probably like one of his yeah, big I haven't seen that. Um Last Night in Soho just came out, which I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen that. But yeah. the three that most people know are is he did what's called the Coronado trilogy, which is Shaun of the Dead, Hot oh. Fuzz, and At World's End. Okay, I've seen two of those. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Me too. Yeah. I actually haven't seen At World's End either. <laughs> but like um, his style and the way he like moves the camera and the just the way the edits go is or you're like, oh, that's how Edgar mm-hmm. Wright makes a movie. And I really love it. Like we did a short film called Everybody Does It. And the edits in that film are 100 percent just an homage to Edgar Wright. Like that's mm. what I wanted to do in that movie. And Lolo was with me, and we were like, "This is how we're doing it." And it's edited to feel like that. Yeah. And what about any any series that you would like? Go, God, don't miss this. Um, of late, I mean, even some of the streaming stuff. Yeah, I I watched so much television. Like I loved Game of Thrones, just like everybody else. Yeah, I haven't the, seen that. Really? Yeah, I've been afraid to get into it because I thought I'll never, <laughs> I'll never, never resurface. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, also the nerd that like I love the books, so uh, yeah. the books are incredible. And as a reader, I think yeah. you, should, you should read them. They don't get to end yet, but <laughs> yeah. Did you watch the what's the gal that um, last during the pandemic came out that? was the girl that grew up in an orphanage it got addicted to to xanax and alcohol she was the chess player oh king's queen, Ga- queen's, yeah, queen's gambit. gambit i have not checked it out oh, yet wow. i love that need to. yeah i think it's so, that was so probably f- my favorite of the pandemic era um <laughs> was queen's gambit it's okay. so interesting to me with the binging shows like queen's gambit that everyone's like mm-hmm. oh, i watched it all in a weekend mm-hmm. and then people are like yeah but like two hours for a movie that's kind of a commitment it is funny how people mm-hmm. are more willing to be like i'll watch 10 hours of tv over the course of two evenings mm-hmm. and it's like you're watching five hours each you could watch four movies in that mm-hmm. time yeah but so like i don't watch all those streaming shows or like just those like big series as often as like i feel like a lot of the people yeah. do because I, I like i tried breaking bad and i'm like oh i get it i love this series i love what i've seen i don't need to watch every season like yeah. I, don't, I don't know like i don't yeah. i don't stick with things long enough yeah. for tv a lot of the time yeah interesting <laughs> yeah it is you know i do think don't you think the pandemic will have some lasting impact on the movie film world i do you think what do you think i think it may um i think it definitely is what I hope happens, I guess, uh-huh. personally, is I hope people realized the importance of the art and the storytelling and how much they really loved it. And I hope as cinemas and theaters open, people go to the Screenland Armor and think of it as an event and as a thing to go. It's a thing to go do. It's it's people used to get dressed up to go do it. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a it's an event. It's. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, I guess we could go see a movie. You're going to the theater. Like it's, it's. Mm-hmm. so I hope that that mentality changes. And I hope people appreciate the people that make these things. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it may give rise to some smaller stories that we may not have seen previously because as films get more and more expensive to make, maybe they'll start making stories that are less and less expensive and a little more pared down because they're now going on streaming and or they're now going to the cinema but they're not staying there necessarily mm-hmm. as long or 
yeah things like that yeah so maybe we'll see more weird stuff and more weird stuff will get more attention yeah yeah it's it was, it was interesting but man i mean like i didn't go to a, a movie for over a year you know same and i still hardly am back to the theater again i it's still so, a big decision yeah. whenever i go to the theater i'm like oh is it worth the like mm. the work and the worry of do we wear a mask? Do we not wear, like how many people in this room might be vaccinated mm -hmm. or not? Like there's so many things in the back of your head that like kind of unfortunately take away from the experience of how yeah. much I do love going to yeah. the movies. Yeah, I really love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us thank on Spirituality you. Adventures. This has been fun. I could talk another two hours with you about movies, Same. but I, I wanna encourage <laughs> our listeners to, uh, check out your YouTube, IX yeah. Production. Yeah. And lots of content there. And then the current podcast that you're doing is brilliant. I Thank love you. it. First Timers Movie Club. Yeah. If you and love movies, yeah, go it's give it a Patrick listen. and his wife Lolo. And you can you can even just roll through there and pick one of your favorite movies and listen to them. And you I promise you you will get educated and have a new appreciation for one of even some of your most favorite films. So thanks, yeah. thanks for what you do. And thanks for coming Thank on you. Spirituality Adventures. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then, Go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.